everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Brownlee, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about Daredevil from 2003. Somehow it's taken us 12 years to get around to talking about fucking Daredevil. But here we are, and here to help me talk about Daredevil is the number one Ben Affleck fan. The man without fear, TV's Rob Cristino. Hey, Rob. I'm uh, over here drinking my Jolt Cola, listening to Evanescence, uh, just really, really digging uh, 2003. It's, it's, I gotta uh, say, the the blonde streaks in your hair look pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I got my uh, my size, my ninja size. I've got my low waisted jeans, um, and my I got my crispy Affleck hair. This is my favorite. Yes. I talk about crispy, crispy haired Affleck. This is like the crispiest the hair ever got. Oh I was in gosh. heaven watching this movie. This is like his Chucky hair from 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 Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Fucking a kid, it really is. <laughs> well, I don't like the sound of them apples, Will. But it even goes in like six different directions. Like yeah. there's this, there's a very serious dramatic scene in this movie where he's talking to Jennifer Gardner, who's on the verge of tears, and his hair is just going in six different directions. And I was like, oh, <laughs> 2003, I miss it. <laughs> uh, so this is our first podcast recording. Since launching our brand new Patreon, which uh, I'll be honest, I don't know what that's going to look like. But thank you to everyone who supported the idea of having a Patreon. Thank you to everyone who has supported the Patreon so far. Uh, for more details, you can go to F this movie or patreon.com slash F this movie. I don't know what it's going to be, guys. I, I have to level with you. We'll have some extra shows this month. And then beyond that, I don't know what what this is going to look like. Well, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what it looks like. I promise I will come on and talk about crispy-haired Ben Affleck movies all day long if you just contribute to our Patreon. Should Clerks 3 just be a Patreon show? Ooh. <laughs> we could do that We could do that show right now because Patrick and I have both seen Clerks 3. Yeah, we have. And we could leave it behind the paywall until the embargo <laughs> It might out. have to be. Just yeah. because I don't want to hurt any feelings. So maybe we'll put it behind a paywall. Don't, <laughs> we'll don't, don't tip your hand about... <laughs> about i won't i won't uh hey before we talk about daredevil rob have you seen anything good lately nope because we just talked the other day i know we did (laughs) i haven't really watched anything i've been rewatching fleabag folks that's about it i've been doing some comfort tv watching how's that going it's wonderful i love fleabag and i love it even more uh when it's the kind of show when you watch it two three four times and you start to really memorize it um it's uh, incredibly gratifying. I'm, I'm feeling very comforted uh, watching that. Did it make you want to rewatch No Time to Die? Believe it or not, it kind of did. It really. It also made me want to rewatch uh, what Solo, Solo a Star, a Star Wars. Wars story, where she plays the droid for some inexplicable reason. I saw um, that movie before I knew like who she was. I had never seen Fleabag at that point, so I had should. no reference point for Phoebe Waller Bridge. And then you'd love it. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen like the first episode. I have no idea why we didn't continue. Probably because yeah. we had to switch to something shitty. You had uh, Love Island or, or uh, F Boy Island. F Boy Island. I'm sorry, I had to watch. Yeah, no, you would love you would love Fleabag. And uh, yeah, I want uh, people were talking about uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. It, it being odd that Phoebe Waller Bridge was coming in to uh, write a James Bond movie. I think they should cast Phoebe Waller Bridge as fucking James Bond. I think I'm into what, it. I think that's what we should do. I think that would be well-received on the internet. Yeah, I'm sure no one would ever have a problem with that. I'm sure it would be completely fine. Um, but Has no, there been I meltdown not... over um, female pinhead yet? 
No, I just saw female pinhead this morning. So I haven't, I haven't kept, I haven't kept track of the internet outrage. I'm sure it exists. Um, I'm sure somebody out there is angry because, you know, if there's one thing uh, that is sacred, Patrick, it's the quality of the Hellraiser. (laughs) (laughs) Don't start fucking around with the Hellraiser movies. Don't don't start bringing some low quality shit into the Hellraiser universe. Okay. (laughs) I, uh, can't really talk about them, but I have watched two Hellraiser sequels in the last week because I was afraid they were going to disappear from Voodoo for free when the month changed over. I was like, I better watch them now and just hope I remember them come October. So we'll see. I uh, I'm I'm off. I saw the image. I saw the whatever the Entertainment Weekly stills. I was like, cool, do whatever. It's fine with me. That's that's the those are the the franchises where at this point you can't spoil them. Like just right. do whatever, right. you know what I mean? Like, right. dude, and I think that's why people like, 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 why horror franchises tend to endure so much is because it's like, as long as it's got a couple of the elements that people enjoy, you know, do whatever. Like, it's not Star Wars, and you know, people aren't gonna, you know, it's not this like really, really kind of whatever quote unquote sacred thing that needs to be taken seriously. Like, fuck, it's a Hellraiser movie. Do some Hellraiser shit. Like, and honestly, people, you know, who read the the the, the Hellraiser texts and stuff? I've 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 read those the the stories that what's it called the Hellbound Heart. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think that shit's crazier than anything they've ever done in the movies. <laughs> so it's like you could even go crazier, you know, you could do yeah. more. And so that's I think do whatever. God bless them. Do whatever you want with Hellraiser, female Hellraiser, female Pinhead, you know, zombie Pinhead. I don't care. Do whatever. I'm into it. I I trust the the writing team behind this movie who wrote The Night House, and I trust the director David Bruckner. Uh, as soon as they announced that they were going with a female pinhead, I was like, yeah, right on. Why, why, why do not? the same thing again? You know, what if, so, what if Rebecca Hall was pinhead? Oh, now, see, I was already going to say female pinhead is my kink, but it turns out <laughs> Rebecca Hall pinhead is really my kink. E.B. Waller-Bridge as pinhead. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> tall, too. <laughs> It'll work out. It'd be great. They should let us write that. All right, this is the quality Patreon content. You make, <laughs> Patrick and I will will do a a, a whiteboard uh, story break for Phoebe Waller Bridge's Hellraiser. I am into it. All right, so you don't have any movies to talk about. I have. I got nothing for you. Buddy. That's okay. I have a couple that I can mention. Stuff that I've watched in the last couple of weeks that hasn't come up that haven't come up on the show. I watched Pennywise: The Story of It. Uh, which is a documentary about the making of the 1990 TV miniseries. And I watched it because it was free on Vudu because I would have been upset if I had paid for it. They got a lot of the people involved, minus the people who have passed away. Jonathan Brandis, no longer with us. John Ritter, no longer with us. Harry Anderson, no longer with us. Uh, Annette O'Toole, apparently too good for this shit. Everybody else uh, seems to have come aboard. It's fine. I've seen the TV miniseries of it many, many times. I had pictures of Tim Curry as Pennywise hanging up in my junior high locker. Uh, I was way on board for that miniseries because it was like at the, I had read the book and I was obsessed with Stephen King and it was uh, it was a huge deal to me. The documentary's fine. Like not every beloved horror property needs its own documentary i i love crystal lake to manhattan or crystal lake yeah right memories right crystal lake memories crystal lake to manhattan is the book i think crystal lake memories i love 
but it's not it's it's six hours long like it doesn't need to be six hours yeah. long <laughs> it's for it's for completists only it's for people who right. will appreciate who will whose eyes will light up when they see a six hour you know friday 13th documentary the the nightmare on elm street one is the only like truly i think essential one because yeah. i think it was elric kane who kind of pointed out it's also the story of like new line like there's a sort exactly. of a narrative that goes yeah. through it um that that's I think the, is... those are the best ones even the, like the retrospective ones or even like uh, my mind of course goes to the last jedi because it always does but hmm. um the director and the jedi the documentary that goes along with with um the Last Jedi disc is a full feature length documentary about Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson not getting along. Like it's about the making of the movie, but it's also about it has an internal narrative to it. It's got it's about something. Right. So what if you've got talking heads that are just talking about like, oh, you know, the history of it and oh, well, well I got hired to do this. I mean, I mean if, if the if the documentary is not full of anything new that a, a hardcore, you know, it person, quote unquote, right. would would know. Um, it doesn't, and it's not bringing anything interesting to the table. It does feel like kind of just empty, empty yeah. pandering. You know what I mean? I'm sure it was like a really exciting project for the people who made it. Right. Like we got Tommy Lee Wallace, we got Seth Green. You know, like I'm, that's huge and that's exciting. Yeah. And if you love the 1990 it, I guess have at it and watch it. Uh, there wasn't there much there for me. I haven't seen the director in the Jedi. Um, you should watch that. Do you have the, the is it on the, the Blu-ray? Jedi? The Blu-ray, yeah. Okay, yeah, I it's need to watch good. it. That's one of my favorite. I've I've come close to writing articles about it because I really really enjoy it. Um, I was thinking uh, if you mentioned Never Sleep Again, um, which even just as a casual like horror fr franchise fan as a casual fan of nightmare on elm street like i that thing is amazing like that yeah. thing that really as you said like because it's the story of new line it's a story of like you know you learn about the history of the you know bob shea and everything else and like the the sort of differing opinions of each movie and that's a really that's a really great deep dive i watched that a couple of scary movie months ago yeah. um and again even as somebody who's i'm only i've only seen those movies a handful of times like i thought it was i it was great i thought it was really intriguing to watch yeah, I love that one. Um, I've watched it a couple of times. I've watched Crystal Lake Memories a couple of times. I'm not oh, proud shit. of it. Like That means at least 24 hours of my life have just it's... been devoted to people talking about movies that I've seen 30 times. It's no F-Boy Island, you know. <laughs> Listen, we're both working and we're like, we can't put on Fleabag because Fleabag requires our full attention. Your attention, yeah. What is something mindless that we can have on in the background? I know, F-Boy right. Island. And uh, I was just talking on Twitter today about the Chasing Amy commentary. And I, I, we've talked about this probably on the Chasing Amy episode, but I, I would fall asleep to the Chasing Amy commentary. You know, yeah, when I was in high school, I would, I would put it on in the background as like background noise. I, those are to me like the like podcast first, the first podcast yeah. for me were like commentary tracks. You know what I mean? It yeah. was people sitting and watching. That's why when, when a lot of movie websites do the commentary track, like, like, like blank check, for example, does the Patreon, um, where they uh, do commentary tracks and people are like, how can you just listen to people watch a movie if you're not watching it too? I'm like, I, I used to do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that, that's, that's, that's totally right up my alley. So they're, they're speaking to me. I think I've listened to the mall rats commentary more times than I've seen mall rats. I mean, I, it's for me with like chasing Amy, it's probably neck and neck chasing Amy and dogma. 
were the because Kevin, I mean, I know they're both Kevin Smith movies, but like he was the one really doing commentary yeah. tracks that were entertaining early right. on. I mean, right. not only was he one of the early podcasters, he was also one of the early ones to be like, you know, and then those, I mean, Affleck, that's that's where my Affleck love was born. Affleck yeah. on those cop. Affleck on those commentary tracks, he's got nothing to lose. He's like 25 or something like that. He has no standing in Hollywood. He's just saying what he feels. Um, and and it's incredible. I love listening to those. What's great about Affleck, and we'll talk more about obviously. We'll talk about Affleck. Even when talk. he goes into space to fight the bear and then he's invited to be on the commentary for Armageddon, he still gives no fucks. Like, he's still, talk still talking about shit Armageddon. About <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, God bless anyway, him, Mr. Um, Jennifer Lopez. At long last, yeah, I tell you, I'm happy for them, and it makes me want to revisit Geely. Do we do a Geely show? We, absolutely. Is that yeah. a Patreon exclusive? Is that a Patreon exclusive? <laughs> Listen, this is the fine. Promise content. not to put it. We're still going to do a weekly show, everybody. We're not going to start putting everything behind the paywall. We're not assholes. Well, well I'm not an asshole. You're not an asshole. All my all my Ben Affleck work is going behind the paywall, people. I don't know. Uh, I'm not, get this shit for free, all right? <laughs> uh, what else did I see? Ooh, uh, Erica and I watched Out of the Blue, which is the new Neil LeBute movie that Ooh. went str- like basically straight to VOD. Out of the Blue? Out of the Blue, starring Ray Nicholson, Hank Azaria, and Diane Kruger. Remember when a new Neil LeBute movie was like a fucking thing? Like it was like, oh my god, there's a new Neil LeBute movie. I should go see it. What's this? What is this? Okay, I'm look I'm looking at it right now. Go ahead. It's him trying to do an old fashioned noir. Uh, okay. it's it's set it's contemporary, but it's very much trying to be an old fashioned noir from the score to the writing to the non-stop I, I, I want to recommend you see this movie just so that you believe me about the number of title cards that are in this movie because sometimes it's like the next day and then we get a shot of Ray Nicholson like out for a jog and then another title card comes up that says like eight <laughs> hours later <laughs> there have more, to be 25 more title cards few, more or fewer than bullet train um <laughs> well, Bullet Train, it was like cast titles, right? It was like or like twenty minutes ago, six hours ago. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Oh, okay, it was all over the place. It's got to be. It has to set the record for the most. So I'm going to say more okay. than if we're doing over under. It's got to be more than Bullet Train. All right, uh, and it's about Hank as good Azaria. as Bullet Train. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I Hank. It's so funny when I see Hank Azaria at this point. I mean, obviously in the you know '90s and '80s and stuff like early on in his career, like pre not maybe not pre Simpsons, but like early on in the Simpsons run, you understand why you see him in movies. Like Heat, you understand why you see him in it. Hank is it when Hank Azaria shows up in a movie in 2022. I'm like, you don't need the money. Like what? No. <laughs> and it doesn't. And if it's not a starring role, like what is it? Is this a favor to somebody? I mean, I don't know his business. I'm not. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him being in Out of the Blue. But it's just it's always intriguing to me when I see like a Simpsons person or like somebody who I know has syndication money for three more lifetimes right. in a movie that is maybe not necessarily, you know, up to the quality that it, it may maybe should have been. Um, just interesting. I. His casting threw me off because I kept sort of waiting. He's playing like um, I'm trying to remember this guy's name. I'm sorry, Ray Nicholson. Yes, uh, who plays the lead? 
who is in a bunch of movies, apparently. He's in Promising Young Woman. He's in Licorice Pizza. I don't remember him from any of these movies. But, uh, he's in The Benchwarmer as Kids Catcher Number 1. He's the lead in Out of the Blue. Anyway, um, Hank Azaria is playing his like parole officer. And he's got maybe four scenes, and he's fine in them. He's good in them. I kept, because it's a film noir and it's like all about being twisty, I kept waiting for the Hank Azaria casting to pay off. It was the, Roger Ebert used to call it the law of economy of characters. And it's like, well, if you've got a Hank Azaria in your movie to burn, you're doing something with him, right? And I don't want to spoil out of the blue, but not, they don't really do much with Hank Azaria. Is it possible there's a lot of Hank on the cutting room floor? I mean, it's possible. I Maybe they replaced him with title cards. <laughs> Meanwhile, one Hank is area later. <laughs> Basically. Um, Can I, I ask uh, you a question? Yeah, yeah. Why the fuck did you watch this? Because it was uh, new, and it was Neil LeBute, and I was like, I remember when I would get excited about a new Neil LeBute movie, and it was like six bucks to rent. Possibly seven to own. I think we own out of the blue <laughs> digitally. <laughs> Which I haven't seen Fleabag. But I haven't seen Fleabag, but I have seen the new Neil LeBute movie. Don't you judge me. Nurse Betty was the shit. Um, I don't have any. That's totally. Were you a Neil hey, LeBute fan back in the day? Lakeview Terrace. I never saw no. Lakeview Terrace. No. Um, I, I saw his Wicker Man before I saw the original Wicker Man. If that, I did if that too. Anything. Um, yeah. And then. I went to see his death at a funeral. I remember that because I had seen the original one. Yeah, I forgot how hard he fell off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, I see Neil Labute and I'm like, you think, oh, in like, the company of men exactly. and your friends and neighbors and yeah. Nurse Betty. And like when he was doing these interesting, the shape of things, like this kind of interesting stuff. I forget that he like went studio and it wasn't yeah. a good fit. I remember in the company of men as one of those like. I know it's not a Miramax movie, but it was like that. That was when yeah. my one of my early like film kid like movies. Yeah, like, yeah, indie, yeah. like you know, <laughs> you you rent that from. Uh, I would rent that from like I don't know where I'd, I guess Netflix. You could you could. It's one of those movies like there's a stack of movies when I first subscribed to Netflix in like 2005 or whatever it was uh, that I would I would I would rent the movies. The discs would come in the mail, and I would burn copies of them and send them back. And I had like the whole like Miramax Criterion, like early like you know Rolling Thunder, Tarantino stuff, like all yeah, the yeah. all the sort of film schooly sort of Miramaxy late '90s indie boom stuff. And I remember that being among. I remember in the Company of Men being among that. I haven't seen it in classic. 20 years, so it might not be yeah, any good. Me neither. No. Um, I made a shitty tweet about William Brent Bell the other day. For no reason, uh, which is unfair. I was like, orphan first kill, and uh, and the boy yeah. proved that we should be celebrating him more as long as you ignore the rest of his filmography. And somebody jumped in and was like, well, have you seen, I'm going to say, where, were, W-E-R. Um, it's yeah. kind of good. And I was like, I haven't. And to be fair to William Brent Bell, and listen, I am nothing if not fair to William Brent Bell. Um, I was like, I should see it. So I did. It's a riff on a werewolf thing. It's not quite a werewolf thing. I don't want to give too much well, away. It's just were. Yeah. It's not it's quite just, a werewolf. Right. There's no wolf and that factors in, but, um, but I'm a sucker for a werewolf story. 
it's just okay, unfortunately. I was I was hoping to find the hidden gem in mm-hmm. William Brent Bell's filmography. It is told found footage for no goddamn reason. Like it breaks all the found footage rules and yet is still told found footage. And I'm guessing that was like a budgetary thing or a I imagine studio maybe note the that money was like, you gotta, it. that's very popular. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that being like, well, it's gotta be, you know, you want this funding. It's gotta be found footage. And it's like, yeah. ah, all right. It's, it's horseshit. Aww, uh, the movie is okay. It's not the I worst. Appreciate- it's not the best. I appreciate you standing up for William Brent Bell, though. I mean, that's nice of you. Well, I took a shot at him in the same sentence, and I felt – I literally for days I felt bad about it <laughs> because there was no need for me to do well, it. I mean, there is a chance at some point William Brent Bell could reach out to us, and maybe that would be – that would be, you know – that would be nice, and we we support him. Look, I, I again, I already said my shitty, stupid, misguided thing about Orphan First Kill last week, so <laughs> I won't I won't say anything again. I I, I accept my uh, that movie is one of those things where I'm like I am I am not I am not well versed enough to review horror films anymore. <laughs> I'm, not, there's, I'm just not the kind of person. Like I just I'm a cinematic omnivore. I like everything, but I I just I don't know. I'll maybe I'll watch it again and really like it. I just I did not understand the 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 fury over that film um i did i said this last week i did like it and i still don't understand yeah like, there's no reason you, you know i'm not trying to put you on the spot you don't have to defend it at all i'm not saying that i just um i was just like oh this is kind of like you know schlocky or whatever and kind of fun um i uh yeah no i like you know he's one of those he's one of you know, you just did the uh, uh, a 24-hour film uh movie yeah, yeah. marathon on uh that guy directors yeah um, which is really fun and um, he, he he could be he could be kind of becoming you know uh, one of those guys. I um, I it's funny that you brought this up because I always find myself uh, inexplicably defending uh, what is it Jamie Collett Sarah is that how you say his name? I don't know how uh, you say his name, but I yeah, he's, he's what House of Wax. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how um, you pronounce his his first name, but you know I love like The Shallows and I love Run, Run All Night and I love like he's got he's just one of those guys that makes Redbox movies that I love, um, The Commuter, you know, and all that. Of course, now he's in Jungle Cruise. He did Jungle Cruise. I think oh, he's that's... doing a Marvel. Yeah, see, I think he's problem. doing a Marvel movie now. But he did like of that run of of uh, of uh, Liam Neeson actioners, like the dad actioners. Um, he did the good ones. Like I, I really like his, like having seen most of those movies as I have, uh, he did the good ones. And so I, and then he did, um, he did orphan the, the shallows. And then he, that's why, that's why I was thinking of him. He yeah. did the first orphan. So, um, I can, you know, I can see the, see the, he's one of the, those guys for me where I'm for, so even after, even after, uh, jungle cruise, I can't even remember the name jungle. <laughs> so you get to review black Adam. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to review Black Adam. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's so good at a... everything. You know what sucks? <laughs> <laughs> what sucks? Remember Gridiron Gang? Not really. I watched that movie and I said, that that The Rock, he could be a good actor. I, I think that there's there's something in this guy. He's got some chutzpah. There's something charismatic about him. I on said the it screen. after Walking Tall. I was Walking like, Tall. He's a great action star. I can't wait be... to see him in more stuff. And he has made sure that I eat those fucking words. And he just now everything is. You'll go on, and his social media will be like, it's a picture of like a coffee and a table on a deck somewhere, and he's got like three scripts. 
and pens that are sat very strategically next to them. And it's like picking up my next big project. And it's just like IP blockbuster, soulless Netflix bullshit. And you're like, what? I, I, I don't, I obviously listen, uh, Mr. The rock. Um, if you're listening, um, I would, I would, I would gladly, uh, uh, hug and, 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 you know, you're wonderful and I, I, you can beat me up and that's great. Um, I wish you all the luck in the world. Moana, Moana, (laughs) like, that's great. Um, you can do better. Um, it feels to me like you've sold your soul a little bit, my friend. Um, and, and I wonder if that's like business sense like i feel like we're getting like it's the actor producer thing where like tom cruise this is a good analog tom cruise produces his movies because he loves the shit out of movies and he wants to be able to do whatever he wants to do in a movie and he doesn't want to hear like motherfuckers from the rock who are like (laughs) who are like well uh you know budgetary constraints well you know this 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 tested really well and we think that this is the optimum time for this in the cycle of film like i just see the rock sitting there uh, uh, he posted a picture of himself like in a in a boardroom watching black adam and it was like you watched your movie in a boardroom <laughs> like awesome i just i he can do and i and i say this because like i think he's a he, i think he's got a good screen presence i think he could do better i think he got swallowed up willingly or unwillingly uh by a, a star system that doesn't exist anymore it's he's he's i don't know whatever how much how many billions of dollars a jungle cruise make well, who am i who am i to talk right but it was not good it, it, it was not it good i'm sorry folks uh, 2007, The Rock made um, Southland Tales. Can you imagine 2022, The Rock making Southland Tales? He wouldn't go near that with nope. a 10 foot pole. There's no way in hell he goes near Southland Tales. In Ugh, it's so upsetting. Southland uh. Tales rules. Um, you and I were texting last night, and I told you I was rewatching Terrifier because I'm like, anything to avoid watching Fleabag. And so yes. I'm going to rewatch movies I didn't like the first time. Uh, Terrifier 2 is coming out in October with, yes, I'm told, a runtime of two and a half hours. <laughs> cool. That's cool for everyone. That's for sure. That's going to be great. such great news. And I'm, I've convinced myself that I need to see Terrifier 2. Therefore, I need to revisit Terrifier to see if I like it more this time. Okay. It is very well made. Art the Clown is iconic in a way is he's sort of a new icon of horror you know and and somewhat deservingly it's a good design and he's creepy um the practical effects are incredibly well done i have lots of good things to say about terrifier but ultimately terrifier is like not why i watch horror movies it is so nihilistic and so mm-hmm. mean-spirited um what drew me to it the first time around was uh, it co-stars an actor by the name of Catherine Corcoran. And I was, uh, she's actually been on if this movie, believe it or not, because she's in return to Newcomb high. Right. And I interviewed those people and she was very nice. And I was like, Oh, look, this is what she's up to. Let me check out this horror movie that she's in. And I paid the price for that. And I won't spoil why, but, um, Knowing what I'm in store for made me go a little easier than Terrifier this time around. I would say I liked it a little bit more this time, but it's it's a hard movie to stomach. And I was really trying to figure out, like, it's really got to just be about tone. Because I wouldn't say that the kills are any more gory 
um, or explicit than something like the Hatchet movies. But the Hatchet movies seem to be having fun. Hatchet there's movies a are sense fun. Of, yeah, there's a sense of humor about them. Yeah. And there, there's not really a sense of humor uh, to terrify her. Um, I watched all the Hatchet movies in one night once. Did you really? That was a good, it was one, it was some scary movie month where I was still going through the franchises I hadn't seen. And you yeah. I know you're a huge, you're a huge fan. Yeah. And they were all, I think it was right when Victor Crowley came out. It was whatever, okay. it was as soon as Victor Crowley was available on VOD where I could watch it for free on whatever service it was on. Yeah. And yeah. I like gradually went down the list and saw that they were all available. And I was like, ah, fuck it. This is what we're doing. Um, those movies are fun as hell. Yeah, I agree. Um, this terrifier, by the way, which I, I thought I had seen when we were texting about it, and it turns out I don't think I have. I think I'm thinking of another movie. 86 minutes. Yep. Add an hour to that, and it's Terrifier 2. They're really going like the raid. The raid. Are they literally two. doing like two Terrifiers? Like, is that what it <laughs> Maybe. is? It's like Terrifier 2. Two Terrifiers. Two, two Terrifier, two Furious. Um, it is streaming for free on Vudu with some ads, but. Uh, if you want to check it out, I don't think I really sold it, but uh, if you're at all interested, movie. yeah. It's on the check list. It it's on the list. I'll watch it. All right, good. Um, $35,000. Yeah, no, I definitely haven't seen this. I'm definitely thinking of another Killer Clown slasher movie. But Is it is it Pennywise, the story of it? Is it the story of it. I will say, uh, I've, I've been trying to do some excavation on uh, HBO Max before it drifts off into the into oblivion i uh, tried to watch it chapter two i watched yeah. the first 45 minutes of it and then i turned it off I had you wasn't... seen it before no i that was i hadn't seen the second one um i like the original as not as much as you do not middle school locker like <laughs> not pennywise on my locker but um that one wasn't. I don't think that was quite for me. I'm. I, I don't know why. There's no. There's no particular reason why that movie's got Jessica Chastain in it. I don't understand why I wouldn't like it. It gives her nothing to do. It. She doesn't have much to do. Yeah. I. No. I don't know. I just wasn't really. I think maybe if I had watched the like the first one right before, like maybe maybe it was a bad idea to just pick up with the second one. But they're so long, and I was like, yeah, right, well, right, maybe, right, right. I've been trying to get at it, but I'll try it again. I think. I mean, they definitely dropped the ball a little bit. I'm still a fan of Chapter 2, but even in Pennywise, the story of it, which I, I cannot speak highly enough about, um, they sort of they sort of talk about, like, why the second half was so hard to crack, yeah. and they kind of admit they didn't do it. Oh. Uh, and, and same goes for the new ones, you know? I think Chapter 1 is, like, so, so good. I think it was my favorite movie of the year that it came out. Chapter two, not quite there, but I appreciate yeah. how weird it's willing to get. And that's the other thing. And I, I, maybe, maybe for Scary Movie Month, I'll watch the rest of it. I'll, I'll, I'll it'll be I'll gone it. off of HBO Max it's, by then. It'll be replaced with like be... Little People, Big City, or something. I don't know what House Hunters. Can we? Can we talk? No, you know what? Let's not. Let's not do that. Should we save it for Patreon? Should we save it for? Yeah, we'll save it. For okay. Patreon. We're going <laughs> to start our own streaming service. No, it's just so funny. I had to hear for years about streaming and how dumb I was for buying Blu-rays. Yep. <laughs> Why do you still have a whole wall of Blu-rays? Why do you still use those two? Everything's online. Everything's streaming. Yeah, who's, 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 who's laughing now? <laughs> Asshole. Enjoy little people, big universe or whatever. <laughs> I was just listening to a pure cinema episode today where Elric was talking about how it's impossible to find the movie bubble streaming. Mm. 
cameras at anywhere? Bubble, uh, the not the bubble, not the uh, Judd Apatow movie. The Steven the Soderbergh brilliant comedy from earlier this year. <laughs> I forgot it existed till you brought it up on the show last week. Um, and that movie hurt me. Yeah. Um, the Steven Soderbergh Bubble, which is a great movie, and I recently like found a copy used at half price books for a dollar, and I was oh. like, a dollar, what a steal! And then I heard him say that it's impossible to find streaming, and I was so happy. This isn't me being smug about owning DVDs and Blu-rays, which I gotta I say, it, it, <laughs> it I 100% irritates am. me a little bit when people on Twitter get real, real like up on their high horses about like owning physical media. Because I own a lot of physical media. You can attest to this. I don't ever brag about it. Um, you should. Maybe you should. But start. now I'm bragging about owning Bubble. Fuck you, everyone. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. There's no. Listen. If, 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 if Rob Gordon in High Fidelity taught us anything, your collection <laughs> matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know he's the villain of that movie. I know. <laughs> Is he, though? He's right behind I mean, me. Patrick. I know he is. It makes me happy to see him. Um, I know. I grew up with high fidelity. I know he. When I was fifteen, he was the hero, and then I turned twenty-five, and I realized he was a monster. <laughs> now I'm older, and I just loathe him so much. But but uh, no, um, no. I, I I have no. I especially now, especially considering the way streaming has collapsed in on itself, like especially yeah. the way it's been mismanaged. Like the concept of streaming is fine, but the way that it has been mismanaged and commodified by its like corporate like overlords and stuff like is so just like entirely predictable and also deeply upsetting because you do have a generation of people, younger people who are getting into television movies, having those catalogs, being excited to be able to, I have students who are like, I I made a, I had one student last year told me like, he's like, I'm watching I'm only watching movies made before 2000. Like I'm not watching anything made, you know, before, uh, after that. And because I want to learn and I want, he's like genuinely trying. And then it's like, I can't find this. I can't find that. I can't find that. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I thought everything was streaming. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like stranger things. And like Netflix stuff. I'm like, you motherfucker, you're right. Isn't it? Yeah. You good luck finding anything, any catalog titles anymore. I know that Amazon has some and I know like, but, but like what I'm trying to say is like overall, it's so important especially the last two years of the pandemic and stuff. Like I've said before, I I'm nervous for the future of feature film as a concept, like a a 90 minute to two hour feature film being a thing that exists in 10 years that people are still making because it's not cost effective. You could make six seasons of, you know, stranger things or whatever. I don't know why I'm beating up on stranger things. I don't care about stranger things. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, you know, you could make a season of Obi-Wan for the cost of half right. of one Star Wars yeah, movie, right, you know, right, right. and amortize it over and over again. And you'd have, you know, so, uh, so I, I, I feel, I feel for the youngins. I really do. I mean, I'm fine. I know where to find things, but you need to have something that will guide you. You can have access to everything in the world, but if you don't have somebody or something to guide you to it and have it there for you, you're not ever going to get it. And Does... I just hope we still have that soon. That's what I'm hoping for. Be careful on that high horse, because we are about to talk about Daredevil. Um, Which rules. Here's a question, and then we can talk about Daredevil. Yeah. Does Netflix – is the Netflix business model, like, that they get paid per click? I can't figure out why. When I want to watch something on Netflix, 
which is rare, but it's yeah. usually some sort of like documentary because that's what, if it's not trash TV, that's what Erica kind of pivots to. She wants to watch some sort of true crime documentary or something. Netflix is lousy with those fucking things. Last week, um, we were going to watch a documentary about Manti Teo and that whole scandal. And uh, for whatever reason, like everything else now on Netflix, it's broken up into like two one-hour shows instead right. of just being a two-hour documentary. And the only thing I can figure is, does Netflix make money when I close out of episode one and click on episode two? Because that increases the engagement numbers. That's, okay. that's, it's, it's much better to have engaged with, quote-unquote, three episodes of a TV show than it is one movie. So they get three clicks instead of one. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the licensed titles, the things like, for example, like I like, I think the only thing I will put on, speaking of background things, like I went to, I, I like, like New Girl, like New Girl for me is a show that I can just put on in the background while I'm doing something and enjoy it. And like every third episode now, it stops and says, Are you still watching? Which they don't do for their titles anymore, right? right? right because right, right. Netflix doesn't care because they're not paying for the license any, you know, for their own stuff. So I was like, oh, that's the difference is the difference is they have to pay Universal or whatever or Fox or whoever it is Disney, I guess now for, for that, but they don't have to pay for, you know, the, the crime documentary that you're talking about. The, right. the, the numbers, the, the revenue stream is different, you know, which is why, of course, they're phasing out all of their license titles. Everything is going to original, which it has been for years. I mean, it's not new, yeah. but um. Yeah, no, I've, I've read I've read articles that have made my head spin where I, I, I read these Netflix, you know, CEOs talking about like, here's how we're going to increase our user base and we're going to basically get like keep people involved longer. We don't want you to click off of we want to keep you clicking like it's not just enough that you're watching. Right. It's that we need to keep you clicking and navigating the site, moving from thing to thing. That's it fun to talk about the thing you love that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so speaking of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it's not soulless at all. No, no, he is really the poster child for that that fucking red notice, which I didn't watch. I just was like, well, that's Netflix. I watched it to a T. Was it good? It. No. <laughs> no. What are you talking about? You know what's good? You've been watching too much F Boy Island, Patrick. Oh what are yeah. You talking about? No, it's my compass is all off. What's good? Tell me what's uh, good. 2003's Daredevil. Hot take. <laughs> but Patrick, the cool Daredevil is the Netflix Daredevil. Which, to be fair, I watched a season of. I liked it enough. I, I particularly liked Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. But then I tapped out. You're not, fine. not because it got bad. No, uh, because no, no, there no, were things that made well, me want to continue it. watching it. I was like, they're introducing Elektra. They're introducing yeah. John Bernthal as the Punisher. There are reasons to keep watching this. But I haven't. By the end of the second season, it gets real lost in the weeds. Um, okay. And then I didn't watch. I didn't watch past that. I watched the first couple episodes of The Defenders, and I watched Jessica Jones. And I guess we'll talk about this kind of realm of Marvel at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, listen, if you if you're if you're you know around our age, Daredevil is like the poster child for like the bad. You know, it's like Batman and Robin, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's it's this is a bad superhero movie. This is. I think that watching it in 2022, one, it made me nostalgic for 2003. Because, because I don't know if it did for me. <laughs> it made me 
super nostalgic for 2000. I was in like 10th grade in 2003. Oh, 2003 was a good time for me. I remember that very, very well. Um, and, uh, and it also reminded me how much of a world away we are from this kind of superhero movie. This, yes. this like we are so far removed, like for better and for worse. For better and for worse, but 2003's Daredevil and Thor Love and Thunder are not even in the same galaxy of movies. Like They're not even in the same in tone, in production, in the way that a quote-unquote comic book movie is approached. Um, I thought this was like, I texted you, it was like, is there a, a more 2003 movie than Daredevil? Does There's it exist? not. I, I, don't think it, I don't think there is. I, it was interesting because I made a joke about when I was watching it and I was like, I turned my head in 2003, threw up all over my TV and I made a picture, you know, I had a picture of Daredevil and a lot of people started jumping in with like defending Daredevil yeah. from 2003. Like, actually, that's a good movie and the director's cut. That's where it's at. Right. That's um, what I hear. So there are a lot of, oh, I watched both. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, OK, good. I did not. I devoted five hours of my life to 2003's Daredevil in the Where last Where is week. the director's cut available? Is it on the disc? It's on Blu-ray. It's on the Blu-ray? Okay. I don't think the theatrical cut is on Blu-ray, right? Okay. I watched it on HBO Max. So oh, I, I didn't I even know it was the on theatrical. HBO Max. I watched yeah. my DVD from 2004 because nice. I think the theatrical cut is only on DVD. The director's cut is only on uh, Blu-ray. Got it. Okay. Which I think right, can well, be picked up pretty cheap and uh-huh. is a better movie. Okay. Well, I'm already on Amazon, so I'm going to go. Daredevil. Daredevil. I'm looking it up, too. Directors. Listen to us type into our phones. Uh, director's cut. Daredevil director's cut is $12.99. $12. Add to cart. <laughs> How much more Colin Farrell is there in it? I think it's about the same because I think when whoever the producers were at Fox in 2003, which again, I mean, there's like so much to unpack here because this comes from a time when certain heroes were at certain studios and like, whoa, well, Daredevil, he's at Fox, but and with the Fantastic Four, but Ghost Rider, he's over here at Sony. Spider-Man's at Sony. Spider-Man, right. Don't worry, Mark Steven Johnson worked with both. He made both. There's room in his life for Daredevil and Ghost Rider. Daredevil better movie than Ghost Rider, I believe. It's been a while. I haven't seen Ghost Rider recently enough. Yeah, it's been a while since I since I saw Ghost Rider. Uh, And both are better than Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, which broke my heart. I was like, from the crank guys, this is gonna rule, and it did not rule. Doesn't, yeah, not so much. Um, no, the, the director's cut mostly adds Matt Murdock stuff. There's a whole Coolio subplot that you didn't know you needed in your life. Yeah. Uh, it cuts the love scene, interestingly enough. Mm. So we get the Does rain. Does it add a Coolio love scene? <laughs> well, yes. Froggy or Foggy, not Froggy. Augie Nelson. Augie Nelson, Favs, and, uh, and Crispy haired Affleck. Make sweet, sweet love. Again, it's fascinating to watch Favreau play, you know, eighth banana in the Daredevil 2003 theatrical cut. And then you're just like, oh, this guy invented the Marvel Universe. Would you rather see a sex tape of Colin Farrell in the penguin makeup or with the Daredevil or with the bullseye? (laughs) Uh, Definitely the bullseye shit, because if for no other reason than because he'd be fucking the House of Pain. And I (laughs) am here for it. Because when we introduce him, we need lyrics about being Irish. So we get Everlast going, you see, I'm Irish, but I'm not a leprechaun. 
literally thought he was in the bar. They might as well have been doing like, hey, 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 We'll get to the feral of it all. Okay. I love, I was, I was so enamored when he does the jacket flip at the end of every scene, when he, he exits every frame by flipping his jacket in a dramatic way. And I just, I can imagine him on the set of this movie probably. And I, you know, and, and with due respect to Colin Farrell, an actor I dearly enjoy, uh, Maybe in a drug phase, I think. Maybe in I one of his. I think at story... this point he had some substance abuse problems. In, in in one of his like I don't remember making Miami Vice phases, um, you know, and just being like a fucking bullseye on my head. You want me to? You want to? You want to straighten out these paper clips and throw them at that bloke's head? Fucking a right, man. How about when he does the backflip into the into the stained glass window and catches all the glass? Because he's bullseye and he does this. Yeah, Patrick, you can't see us, but Patrick and I are both doing this. We're on video of, now, which is fun. Yeah, which is fun. Um, we're doing this sort of dance, you know, sort of like, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, he collects. And I don't know what part of being a bullseye, like a marksman, allows you to catch all of the glass. But it, at that point in Daredevil, it doesn't matter because it's all amazing. Again, the 2003-ness of it all, it's not just like, oh, we got to have new metal in every scene and Affleck's got to have crispy hair. Um, part of it is we can't get too silly with this. Yeah. And so we'll give you Daredevil in leather. We're going to make the costume leather instead of like spandex. And dark red. Right. Blood um, but we can't also have bullseye in spandex. So we got to just, we got to put a bullseye on his forehead and we've got to put him in a cool leather trench coat. Uh, it's very informed by like the Fox X-Men sort of yeah. like black leather of it all. I keep this saying is, of it all. I apologize, people. I don't this know. This is right. That's Spider-Man, X-Men, X2, Ghost Rider, Daredevil. Like this is that. For We're folks, figuring like, talk- it out. We're figuring it out and we're trying to figure out what we like. And it's so funny, you know, thinking about how much, how concerned they were with like, well, we really wanted to shoot this like a comic book. And there's all these frames that are homages to that shit. Mark Stephen Johnson has lots of that. And which is great. And even like, you know, and they still do that now. Like, you know, I'm thinking of like Spider-Man when he's got the, he's trying to lift the, all the shit. And that's that reference to those, that great like it's not a splash page but it's like you know a yeah. frame when he's lifting the the rocks and stuff um and there's all kinds of iconic you know civil war had the whole thing but like when i think about the way a comic book movie is presented it's the tonally even in the tone of the cinematography it's so different the lighting is different it's more yeah. aggressive the the just the way it's staged and blocked is so much different than the way they approach it now and as you said like the tone is so interesting because it's like, well, these are like comic, these are like for young boys, right? So we've got to, you know, kind of pitch it that way. Um, this one in particular is like aggressive with its like. There's a little bit of that, you know, speed ramping, slow motion. Um, it was nice to see the uh, the CGI characters from The Matrix Reloaded getting some work there in the <laughs> middle of the movie uh, when the the burly brawl uh, uh, Gumby figures get to to do some. Yeah. motorcycle driving yeah. and stuff there's an incredibly awful cgi shot in the middle of this like bare knuckle fight and we're calling Merrill is riding on top of a motorcycle oh, down the God. street i guys if you haven't watched daredevil 2003 I, had, I watched it earlier today i had a great time with it it was really really fun i really like colin farrell as an actor i'm trying to pinpoint like what's the turning point for him it's got to yeah. be in bruges right where he's like 100 
I have to leave this bullshit behind and so grow the fuck up. Good in that movie. Yes. Oh God. I love in Bruges so much, which you can find evidence of all over the site and I've written about it. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, it's such a good movie, and I love him specifically in that movie mm-hmm. so much. Um, so and I like him in Miami that. Vice, but like Miami Voice, Voice, I'm voice. talking like him now. See, <laughs> oh Miami, Miami Voice, voice. Uh, hi-dee, 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 is before hi-dee. the turning point. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably contributes to the turning point, right? Yeah. Probably contributes to him being like, <sighs> you know, what's great? The what? first scene of Miami Vice, not in the director's cut. God damn it talking about the real one yeah i know that speaking one's... of new metal but i uh, that lincoln park i like that song now I because like of miami too. vice <laughs> yeah i like that song because of miami vice I but just it's think, the jay-z I just, one whenever right? i hear not it, the just the lincoln park one yeah it's yeah yeah but whenever i hear the dun, 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 yeah i think of the flashing lights and yes. the opening of that movie like i it's uh god, god it's so that good. movie rules the movie is so good I read. I was. I was telling you and Adam uh, at the end of Heat Two, which I've now mentioned on two consecutive weeks of of, of podcasts. There are go fast boats at the end. Chris Sahurlis, Val Kilmer's character, drives a go fast boat at the end of Heat Two. I'm into it. By that. I need to read Heat Two. You. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to, but you should. It's cool. Yeah, I've read um, other novels by directors. For, I should read the Michael Mann Heat novel. Two. Yeah. No, it's super good. It's super fun. Um. But yeah, so all right, so I don't even know where where do we even. I know we've started with Daredevil. No, my my brain is soup when it comes to Daredevil two thousand three because everybody's really trying to make a good movie, and I think they come pretty close. Um, But they're limited by the fact that it's two thousand three. It's one of those things where it's like it's a period piece, and it any other if you laid this movie out in terms of its construction maybe not the script like maybe you maybe the dialogue shifts a little bit whatever but like if you laid this movie out and you took like okay interior you know uh a uh, uh, courtroom day matt murdoch is doing this like and if you look at, at a script level and you shot it i don't I, I was gonna say the way they shoot marvel movies now but i don't mean that if you shot it like a real movie in, in the best buy parking lot are you talking about <laughs> yeah if you shot it in a parking lot in Atlanta, no. What I mean is, if you shot that, like if Michael Mann shot that, right? For example, um, it it would be good, and it would be like like it would be of quality. It would be a quality made movie. The fact that this movie is shot and lit and and edited and presented as a movie from 2003 is both one of the most charming things about it in retrospect, yeah. and also one of the things that just like dooms it like it's just like oh my god you are so 2003 you can't get out of your own way and why that's what I, I kept so, thinking good why was it so hated in 2003 all right so 2003 we just had the first spider-man right we yep. had x we had x-men in 2000 we had spider-man in 2002 we had i guess x-men what, 2 did we have x2 x-men 2 is 2004 right is i have a really? list right now on wikipedia okay, okay. of of uh, superhero movies of the early 2000s okay. x2 x-men united oh no is 2003 it's the same year yeah but this is right. before that because this is valentine's day and this that's is this is earlier summer. than that so this comes out later in the year you had did we have catwoman yet no catwoman that's 2004 because i saw that shit on our honeymoon <laughs> blade 2 is 2002 so blade 2 is around this time okay right blade two um, rules. you have hulk 2003 Again, a couple months later. Yep. So I'm thinking that maybe we remember Daredevil 
less fondly or maybe it was judged with more you know harshness like whatever for lack of a better word at the time because i guess because that maybe maybe it was that that aesthetic was starting to tire like maybe i don't know like i maybe because affleck was coming off was affleck off of pearl harbor yet no pearl harbor pearl harbor is like 2001 oh so he was off of pearl at that point yeah Okay, so maybe it was the Affleck of it all. Like maybe it was, maybe it was that. Maybe it was that Daredevil. So the tide had already turned on Affleck. That's what think? I mean. Like maybe like because I'm thinking like we we just I just went through this list of movies and, and they all have similar aesthetic to right. that. I mean there are shots in this Daredevil movie that could easily have been in Sam Raimi's Spider Man movie. I mean, you know for sure. Um, so I'm thinking to myself maybe it was just that we had turned on Affleck at that point. I can't. I. I mean, in retrospect, I can understand watching it today why it's aged and why it's a not of "quote unquote" the kind of quality we would, we would want. But at the time, I re- I do I remember everybody being like that movie blows, that movie's cheesy. Maybe it's just because we have to talk about Affleck and we have to talk about this phase of Affleck where Affleck is trying to bend himself into shapes he doesn't really belong in. Yeah, Affleck Affleck is is playing cool, collected in a way that he does well now like i'm thinking like deep water where he's like very laconic and very like laid like sort of just quiet but when he has to be intimidating like like i read on wikipedia t- today that uh vin diesel was considered for the role matt murdoch <laughs> but i can imagine vin diesel narrating the streets of oh you know, god just- God, I hate God. the narration. I do. I do not right. like. The well, yeah, you get rid but of. But Spider Man had narration, so we got to have narration. Right. Exactly. And you know, very much like Blade Runner, get rid of the narration. Right. And Affleck, I think, is weakest in in the narration. Yeah. I think the narration is really weak. I think his delivery of the narration is really weak. I feel like he's being coached. The thing with Affleck is, and I say this as as one of the, the world's prime Affleck scholars. Um, should I write a book about Ben Affleck? Yes. Um, you, have you can tell when he hates what he's doing. You yes. can tell you can tell when that he hates reading this voiceover. You can tell he hates it. You can tell he thinks it's a bad idea. You can tell he told the director it was a bad idea. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, but he's doing it anyway. And he's since said he's really strongly disowned this movie. I think he's disowned this movie a little bit more than he should. And I think that's probably get back to the original point we were trying to make. Probably because it derailed his career like i think this probably the overwhelming negative reaction to this probably made him hate the movie more than he should so i have his his imdb up right now and he is in the fucking weeds in 2003 because this is 2002 he does the jenny from the from the block video and i think the tide turns on him i'm doing the butt thing remember he puts his his hand on her butt I don't anyway, remember because I don't know that I've ever seen that video. Let's move I just on. know guys, about you, the video. If you're listening to this, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they um, playfully recreated it again recently on vacation. Do I know oh, too much about cute. Ben Affleck? Yeah, what? I don't know. Let's move on. Uh, tell me more about what Ben Affleck was doing in 2003. Daredevil, Geely, okay. Paycheck. Daredevil, Geely, Paycheck. Paycheck is, is that the last one of those three? Of 2003, and then his 2004 is Jersey Girl, Surviving Christmas, and then he takes like two years off and does Man About Town, the Mike Binder movie that doesn't even come out in theaters. 
It goes straight he to talks, video. I'm trying to remember. He talks on that great interview he did. His last press tour was amazing. I love. I was so. I don't know if you remember last like three four months ago he was on a tear i can't even remember what he was promoting i think it was like the tendabai or something like that <laughs> fucking tendabai kid um <laughs> which i never watched you're fine yeah um but he played but he but you should no you should because he plays like the ben affleck character in that movie Can in a way that's like, just it's like make Ch- a tender bar super cut with just the affleck scenes and like chucky that. grew like chucky grew up you know what i mean right, Ch- right, chucky right. chucky tends fucking bad now um and uh the bar is called he- you're suspect yeah, suspect. Yeah, you. <laughs> Keep your nose to the grindstone. Um, he Retainer. talked with Retainer. Patrick. Tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be fifty. <laughs> I'm gonna still be doing this shit, but we'll be doing it behind a paywall. No, no, um, <laughs> no. We uh, we we he was talking to Damon about this period of his career. I think he specifically mentioned surviving Christmas. And I think he talked about like, when's reindeer games. Is that after earlier? That's like earlier. 2000. I remember him in that. I don't have the quotes on me or anything like that, but I remember him talking about that was when he started to lose faith in himself and faith in directors. I, this, this, this is what he said. When he, we talked about like doing surviving Christmas and stuff. He talked about like that period of the early two thousands where the indie thing had had died off and he was now mainstream and he was stretching himself and listening to advice from people in in the effort to like be a movie star and he realized that some directors are bad at their jobs and he and he and and some projects are ill fated from the beginning and that like like basically like he started to learn how to identify a flop as he's making it okay and he said and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing all of this, and, yeah. but, but he basically just said like that was the period of his career where he remembers really getting, as you said, in the weeds and not choosing good projects and mm-hmm. realizing that he had been guided or maybe been lucky early on. You know, Goodwill Hunting, obviously, he put so much into himself. Uh, you, you know, you've got Armageddon, like movies that had built him up. You know, he's working with, with, with Kevin Smith, with like Chasing Amy, which gets him a little bit more of that indie credit, stuff like that. And you get uh, certain projects that, He's a part of, and he's the right ingredient in the sauce. And then he starts to to be the, the lead, you know, and then he starts to be the lead in a movie that maybe he shouldn't be the lead in, mm-hmm. you know, and that starts to kind of make him cynical. You know what I mean? I can, I can imagine Daredevil being part of that and Paycheck being part of that and Surviving Christmas being part of that and Geely being part of that, right? Where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm tossing everything out here. I'm, I'm going with my instincts. I'm going with what I think I'm supposed to do. And it's not really working out. I'm wondering if like, this, is a, this is that period for him. Did Kevin Smith talk him into doing Daredevil? Because it's a lot that comes right from the Kevin Smith run. There's a ton. I mean, Kevin Smith is in the movie. I mean, right. There's, there's but like, the opening shot of him hanging on the cross, it's from, like that's right from the Kevin Smith uh, um, run on Daredevil. What was his book called? Shit, I have it too. I don't remember. I Guardian have the Devil, individual comics, but I Guardian don't. Guardian something, Daredevil. I can't remember exactly what it's called. I'm sorry. For, Guardian I'm sorry, Devil. Daredevil, Daredevil heads out there. I have the book. It's in the other room. I just, um, I, uh, I can imagine, I remember him talking, I remember Kevin Smith talking about Affleck being excited because Daredevil was his favorite character. I think he talked Smith into being involved with it. 
I don't know if it was the other way around. And again, this is all just idle speculation. I'm right. trying to remember, again, speaking of Kevin Smith commentary tracks, I'm trying to remember things I heard Kevin Smith say 20 years ago, um, which for some reason I tend to retain. Um, I can imagine him being really excited about this. And I can imagine like getting Colin Farrell, getting, I mean, and I, and I say this with, with a pain in my heart, there's nothing more 2003 than Michael Clark Duncan like that. And, and it's, and it's su- I mean, it sucks obviously like, you know, RIP to the man, but like, yeah. it's like, wow, you see him in a movie playing this role and being so cool. And you're just like, Oh God, like we were definitely robbed of a great screen presence. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who, you know, chicken or egg. I don't know which one came first <laughs> with, with that, but I can see them both being really excited because at that point they were still buddies and stuff. So, right. I'm glad that they're starting to be buddies again. I love this period of Affleck's life. I'm so down for like 50 year old, like, like salt and pepper Affleck. Who's like sober and just like reflecting on his life and like, just cares about his, you hear him talk now. He just talks about his kids and like how he's trying to be a cool dad and failing. And and he's just, (laughs) he's just got, I think I wrote about this. And and when I, I think I reviewed the tender bar or something like that. It's just like, he's just tend to the fucking tender bar. He's got wisdom now. And I love that (laughs) because I, that's what I hope for soon. You know, he's just like, I want to be able to sit back and look at my life with wisdom. And I feel like he's in that sweet spot right now where he's like, you know what? Me and Jen had a good time. Let's go back and do that again. Like if they split up, I will take it hard. I took it hard when him and Jennifer Garner split up. Yeah. Uh, Should we talk about Jennifer Garner in this movie? Because she is also in this movie. She is also in this movie. Dressed. Too many people are in this movie. Dressed like a pop star from 2003. They they had no concept of like how to write Electra. They were just like, well, what if there was a girl? And (laughs) Electra Nachos, noted Greek actress Jennifer Garner. (laughs) They they spent two seconds. They were like, who's a girl who could do action? I don't know. Get that fucking chick from Alias. Okay. The Alias girl. Which is another show that I want, I constantly want to watch all of, and never have. And then you realize you have to go back and rewatch it from the beginning. And yes, which I've I done like three times. I've I've seen the first, yeah. I've seen the first season of Alias three times. Remember Dark Angel? Not really. I mean, I remember. I, I remember watched that existing. one. A lot. Yeah, Jessica I was Alba. never a, I was never a Jessica Alba guy. Mm. Nobody's perfect, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> I like Affleck. No. Yeah, like Affleck, I, and I hitched my wagon to Affleck very early, and it was starting to break my heart around this period to see Matt yeah. Damon flourish. While my boy was doing Surviving Christmas, which Erica and I saw theatrically in October, like everyone should have. Yeah, and you know, obviously, this is around the time where he's, you know, speaking of Colin Farrell, like he's having his own substance abuse issues. Right. He's having it. This is where he's like getting thrown out of casinos for counting cards and stuff. You know, oh, like I this never is heard that. that. <laughs> this, well, because Affleck's a brilliant poker player, but it, he gets he apparently got in trouble a lot. He was he's been banned from certain casinos at some point uh, for for counting cards, which is legal. It's just right. that most people aren't smart enough to do it. Affleck is a. I don't understand how it works. I mean, literally, you're just, I mean, just, it's just running through like, well, I'm not going to talk about counting cards because okay. I'm not a great gambler, but essentially you're just keeping track of the cards that have already come out of the deck. So, you know, three hands from now, the Ace of Spades is not going to come out again because it's already been discarded. So it. the idea is if you can keep track of that, you know, what's not coming out, then you can adjust your odds and your betting accordingly. So it's, it's technically allowed, but that seems like a skill up. to me. It's, it is, it's frowned yeah. upon in casinos apparently. Cause I went down a whole rabbit hole when I read that about him. Um, 
so so maybe yeah this is him making poor choices i mean I, there's definitely there's speaking of books there's a book to be written about affleck and damon and there's like yes split trajectories and the the way that they like the advice that they took and the pro- projects they took on the things they didn't do i'm always so fascinated by the by the projects that like actors almost did and then didn't do um i think that there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot to be said somewhere about them those two and the fact that they've now kind of not that they i don't think that they were ever really split but the fact that they're now sort of making more of a concerted effort to work together again i think i think they're developing a couple of things together um because again wisdom Right. Yeah, they're doing the movie about the two athletes. What are they? Who are they? Um, I could furiously Google, but I feel like you're already on your way. I mean, I kind of am. Oh, when I look up Affleck, uh, it says Untitled Accountant Sequel. You had me at Untitled. (laughs) No. Oh, I just got my Lord of the Rings screeners. Really? Yeah. Anyway, um, the, I don't know what uh, it is. I can't remember what what they're doing together. But the last duel was awesome, and how come nobody? Remember the last about duel? That? that was great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting here like, yeah, they're making, they're like doing stuff together again, aren't they? Right, the last duel, which is just, which is like, which does not have the cultural footprint it deserves. It has no cultural not, footprint. We pushed. I'm that not movie waiting so hard at the end of last year, and I feel like nobody listened. I'm not waiting around for Twitter to rediscover that movie in 10 years and like somebody being like, you know what? This is good. Like, like, first of all, not every movie is good. Second of all, <laughs> we need to keep the last tool in the forefront of our consciousness. Not, we're not, we're not rediscovering that movie. We need to keep that movie in the forefront. Um, um, anyway, back to Jennifer so, Garner, who is, who wears who we were talking about. low cut jeans in this movie, like Christina Aguilera. Um, yeah, they're all. It's just it's low cut jeans and push up bras. Push up and... bras. It's the the makeup is very sort of flat. Like it's very like aggressive. It's like a very like shine forward makeup pattern, if you call it that. I don't know the hair, but it's very much like and the angles they shoot her from. You're just like, boy, this this looks like you know again, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, whatever. And it's so funny to see that in retrospect because now. You know, thankfully for these poor women, they don't have to wear those jeans and stuff right, as much anymore. Right. We're much more into like comfy culture now, which is good. Um, I think but, this uh, movie doesn't really know what to do with Electra. They just, just it knows it's supposed to have a girl in it, right? And and it, it it almost does that Batman and Robin problem where it's just like I don't know, have everyone like we gotta have the Kingpin, we gotta have right. Bullseye, we gotta have Electra, we gotta have Foggy, we gotta have. I don't remember who Ellen Pompeo is playing in this movie. She's but playing she's Karen Page, but she's not really even in the movie. Right. She's got, I think, two scenes. Yeah. One of which might only be in the director's cut. Which is really funny when you, when you, the way you say that. And then it's like, Karen, you think of the plot of this movie, what this movie's about. Pretty low stakes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, like Colin Farrell is throwing paper clips at people. Right. Um, Peanuts. Uh, the kingpin f- flies him inexplicably. The kingpin, master of all crime in New York City, can't find a criminal in New York City to kill a billionaire. <laughs> so we have to go hidey tidy tight across the across the pond. Bring Colin Farrell over to throw paper clips at this billionaire, right? To chase him, to chase him on a motorcycle in just a brilliant scene. Um, and then it becomes a revenge plot at the end. And then and then Daredevil fights Kingpin bare bare knuckle at the end. It's just it is funny just when we think about like 
Marvel movies having lasers in the sky now, right, you right. know, and it's like, yeah, this movie is just about like a guy gets revenge for his girlfriend's dad's murder, you know, <laughs> like and then his dad. Which his I mean, to be fair like to two thousand, is a Daredevil, Daredevil story, totally. Yeah, right, exactly. Totally. It's yeah, like it's a Daredevil story. It's a it's a street level movie. And I only I mean that because if there had been a fucking laser in the sky, yeah. it's like what are we? I doing only mean that? that in the sense of in watching it in twenty twenty and, yeah, and being yeah, yeah. like, holy shit, this movie is so different tonally than what we see now. Where <laughs> right. it's like, yeah, no, Colin Farrell is just is is here, and he's going to put roses on people, and like it's just so funny to see how low stakes the movie is. It's, um, this, is a, but, this is the thing. I like this movie kind of. Yeah, it's filled with people that I like yeah. giving performances that I don't. No, well, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but, but giving performances that are like totally appropriately in service of something that has a right to exist and is kind of cool, but also is so weird. Yeah. Like is so just like, like not, it just, it just aged. I mean, the really, the, the, the conclusion that we keep coming back to is that like this movie is just has aged hopelessly. Yes. It's just, it's almost impossible to, unless I mean, I, you know, unless you were there in 2003, like it's almost difficult to really watch this now because like Spider-Man, I just rewatched those, the whole, the, the, the whole three of them, the Raimi's and they, for, you know, they really haven't aged that much. Like, I mean, they, they, they are. Because they were old fashioned in 2002. Because they were old fashioned. Because that's what Raimi was doing. Because Raimi likes like sixties, like, you know, Spider-Man and stuff like that. They are kind of apple pie movies. Um, and they're honest and all that. This is like, you know, this movie is like Axe Body Spray and Evanescence and like, you right. know, like that whole thing. Speaking of which, by the way, I need to shout out my mom for a second who doesn't listen to Rob episodes. But um, <laughs> when I was in high school around the time, and we will talk about the soundtrack, um, around the time of Daredevil is coming out. If you don't know Evanescence, the new the new metal, the, the, the thing with them was that they had a, Amy Lee, they had the female singer. And that was like such a different thing for the genre at the time. When I was in high school, there was probably a solid year where every morning my mom would listen to that album front to back when she was getting dressed and ready for her day in the morning. And so I would wake up to bring me to life and other evanescent songs that I can't remember. Just <laughs> There's two on this up, soundtrack. Bring me up inside, bring me up, save me. Like, I just, like, I just, when I was watching the movie today, I was, I was thinking of my mom. I was, I was like, oh, remember when my mom loved this album? That is wild. She's got eclectic taste, my mom. Well, Love I mom, respect her for it. This movie yeah. has two Evanescence songs on it the does. soundtrack. We get one it's got that the plays, ballad. Yeah, that plays during the funeral. Yes, for exactly. Barney Nachios and uh, whose first name? Like Stavros Nachios. Stavros, Barney. probably. Yeah. Um, and then the other one plays during the completely inconsequential training montage. Which is, again, when we talk about the movie aging, yeah. but it's like, I, I couldn't... When you, when you say to me, Daredevil, I think... Oh, that training montage in the middle. Like that's what I think of. She got uh, her own spin-off movie. That movie yeah, was not did. very good. Jennifer Garner, I I have always loved Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. She and you're needs lying with her. new representation. Yes. Desperately needs new representation. Yep. Should have got an Oscar nomination for Juno, folks. She's got the hardest part of Juno. I love, I love, love. I used to teach Juno in my film classes. I used to use that movie. And I'm telling you, every time I saw her in that, I appreciate she's got the hardest role in that movie and she's so good at it she is so good i haven't watched that movie in a long time because i feel like 
I don't it's know. going to be speaking of movies that have aged. Yeah, right. But I think there's a lot of stuff that is kind of timeless in that movie. And my maybe my favorite line in the movie, and it's her line, well, aren't you the cool guy? Aren't you the cool guy? <laughs> How every time she, every time Juno comes to the house, Jason Bateman's wardrobe is getting more and more grungy and casual. Was, I just remember things I used to point out to my classes like, Okay, when he, when she first when they first arrive, she, he's all prepped out, and then by the time they have their last scene together, he's wearing like a Kurt Cobain shirt. And aren't you the cool guy? Oh my god, the cool guy. whole thing like yeah, if I have to, if I have to wait around for you to become Kurt Cobain, I'm never gonna have a baby. Like ah, uh, because she's so because mm, never mind, forget it. She's got we need to talk about her energy because she's got she's obviously gorgeous. Like she's she's got supermodel looks and supermodel yes. energy, and she's amazing. But she also doesn't have sex pot energy well you know what i mean like it's not that right. to me right it's it's right. like wise and it's like and it's like yeah. she's 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 a thought like it's almost like you're you know when you talk about like like brad pitt where it's like well he's a character actor shoved in a movie star's body there's an argument to be made that had jennifer gardner not been as fucking gorgeous as she is and she was given a chance to act in in parts that a character actor may have earned because they weren't movie stars and didn't have movie star looks, we may have gotten a very different Jennifer Gardner career, I think. Well, she, yeah, again, they never knew what to do with her. So she, that's what I'm saying. They never know what to do with her. She starts out doing like action stuff because I don't know, alias, right. She she can do action. She does the kingdom for Peter Berg and she's good in the kingdom. And, and now it's just like, I don't know, put upon the mom and put upon mom. Yeah, Yeah. 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 In in Yes Day, which my kids have watched multiple times, like, like she's just put upon mom. And 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 yeah, you never know. Like you never know. Is this what she wants? Is this are these the roles that she wants to be playing? Like I'm thinking like Thirteen Going on Thirty, which we didn't mention, which was like probably one of the you know that was her. That's 2004. That's the year after Daredevil. She does this after Daredevil, yeah. um, which all, which gives her you know more energy and stuff like that in terms of her her career. Um, but it does set her on this path of like just another actress that no one knows what to do. Like due respect to draft day, Adam, I love you. And I love draft day. The fuck is Jennifer? Garner I forgot she's in that. Movie? Right. Just playing Kevin Costner's girlfriend, playing like, Kevin Costner's love interest. And it's like, you know, Oh, it's a well, good she's... movie that doesn't really get talked about. Catch and release. That one I have always wanted to rewatch and I've never rewatched it. Um, because I remember part and it's got Kevin Smith in like an acting I, role. Exactly. It's, right. it's tangentially Kevin Smith related. And that was, I think around the time he and she and Affleck got together. Right. Uh, probably or around yeah. that time. Probably. Yeah. I remember wanting to watch it cause it had a view askew. It was view askew adjacent. It like is. It had because, Smith in yeah. it and it was like, Oh, Affleck's with her now. I don't know if they were married at that point or whatever. Um, I've seen it, I've, but I'd never, I've never gone back and rewatched it. It's kind of good. Um, but like, yeah, she's, you know, and I don't know, have you watched Electra? Um, the, the I saw Electra in the theater and never the said Right. Oh, right. You said you saw it. You guys went to see it. Yeah. Um, I, I have not, I've seen it. I know I've seen it. I've hundred because that came out at a time. Again, as Adam and I talked about on reserve seating, there was a period of five or six years where I literally saw every movie. Um, and I don't remember anything about it, but I, I just, I just I don't know. It's hard to sit here and be like I feel for this famous rich movie star. But but at the same time you're like you could have you feel like we wasted her time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I do I feel like we kind of wasted Jennifer Garner's time. Right? She's there's that got to be more. Maybe she'll get like a a good like drama series or like maybe some streamer will give her some amazing script and she'll really she'll win an, an Emmy or something like that because 
I mean, again, we're talking about her a lot for a character that is sort of the emotional center of this movie, but also has not as much to do as you would think. Um, because it's just another, as you said, like it's another actor, it's another good actor doing not so good stuff. What, one of the things that does hit the floor in the director's cut, which it didn't occur to me when I watched it, like until I watched it, I should say, I said the love scene hits the floor. So we get them on the rooftop with the rain and he's like, you're beautiful. And then he hears some people in trouble. And I think in the theatrical cut, she's like, stay with me. Stay with and he's me. Like, and that's, yeah. yeah. And, he does, and he does, which means Daredevil lets somebody get hurt or possibly die in order to fuck die. Electra, which I get. But at the same time, the director's cut is probably truer to the character where he's like, right. no, I should probably go help this person. Well, this, this movie pays lip service to the, like the Catholic guilt aspect of Daredevil without right. ever really engaging with it. Like the movie's oh, not yeah. really about that. It, it does it at the beginning. So it can say it does it, but Daredevil, if you read Daredevil or if you, you know, like it's so much more about the Catholic guilt of it all, um, which I'm very familiar with as a lapsed Catholic. Um, yeah, that, the, yeah, the movie doesn't really. It, but, but at the same time, like I give the movie credit for that because I can see in a studio structure of 2002 when they're making this, right or whatever, and it's like I like I like all the character uh, names are are. Marvel oh, artists, right? Casada and Kirby and all. It right. gets obnoxious after a while, but like, but, but only if you know these things, right? Um, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith plays a character called Jack Kirby, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Yeah. Um, uh, which, <laughs> and then he's got that trailer line where it's like, "You want to see something cool?" And I just remember that in the trailer over and over again. Um, I can see them trying to make a comic book movie in a studio system, right? Not Marvel studio system where you've got Kevin Feige being like, no, I, I understand what this book, but trying to sell like, well, yeah, but like his character is like, you know, he's this like tortured vigilante and it's like, right. so like Batman. So like, there should be like a, a montage where he flips his things around like Batman is like, well, no, like close up on his belt as he like, no, yeah. It's like, no, well, it's, it in yeah, a place. More about like the dichotomy of like good and evil, and like what does it mean to be? And it's like right, 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 right. So he he throws a billy club, you know. Like I can see them, <laughs> I can see them trying to fight, you know, yeah. for yeah, yeah. creative, and and some of it sneaks through in this movie. I think that I think that's I think that's what endears me to this movie, um, a lot because I can think of the position they were in, and as you said at the beginning, like clearly they were trying to make the best movie they could, and I can see them trying to sneak. And Affleck too, real like pathos and like real character into this, and it just being completely overwhelmed by two thousand three. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like you know, like like yeah, but I got this really introspective scene between these characters. Put some evanescence over that scene, so we'll cut that. No, you got to cut that faster. You know, cut that to Lincoln Park or whatever. You know, whatever. Like I can I can imagine that getting them getting swallowed up in that. And I feel I feel for them. Yeah, I mean, I do think their hearts are in the right place. I don't think for as many cynical touches as there are in this movie and for as much as like I can kind of feel Avi Arad's fingerprints on this mm-hmm. thing. 100%. Uh, I do think Mark Stephen Johnson's heart is in the right place and he wants to make a good Daredevil movie. I do too. I yeah. Um, do we need to talk about the – do we need to go like track by track on the soundtrack? Right, so let, let me see here. I got – We should probably start wrapping up. Number one Because my is... battery is about to die. <laughs> Won't back down by fuel. Remember fuel? I won't. I mean, in theory, I won't know yeah. most of these bands. I think, except for Evanescence. For you, 
by the calling. Remember the calling? They had that nope. song wherever you will go. If I no, could, wait, I know that song. I would. Yeah, I do remember that song. Wherever. Sorry, I you know, I'm saying too much. I think you were um, like more plugged into the music scene of 2003 than I was. Yeah, so For You is the song, which I don't know. Uh, Saliva is on the soundtrack. I remember the name Saliva being See a band's there. name. See there like as a band name or as yeah. the Veruca Salt song? No, as the band name, okay. See there. I didn't um, Nickelback, obviously, obviously. Okay. I didn't realize they were on here. Yeah. You've got Drowning Pool featuring your boy Rob Zombie. Jesus. Nappy Roots featuring uh, Marcus Curiel of P.O.D. P.O.D. Um, Moby. Why not? I guess because like techno kind of, you know. Uh, oh, Chevelle. I remember these band names, but I couldn't these tell are you bands, a song by guys. any of these bands. Yes, these are bands. Chevelle, Nickelback, Seether, Saliva. Oof. Th- this That's was three, a period baby. of rock. Hoobastank. Who are the, like, the rap artists that they play when Kingpin comes on? And I'm like, is this racist? <laughs> yeah. Um, Stank, which, I mean, maybe the most prototypical of this era, era of rock. Era. Uh, if you haven't seen the Hoobastank Mountain Dew commercial, my friends and I still reference it all the time. Remember the Mountain Dew commercial where the, the guy is driving the car and it flips and, and the guy reaches out for Mountain Dew and grabs it and drinks it upside down? Uh, Google that right now. Hoobastank Mountain Dew commercial. It's got that song Crawling in the Dark. I am crawling in the dark. Um, great commercial. Still reference it all the time. Uh, let's see. Boy Sets Fire and Autopilot Off. Autopilot Off. Uh, 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 pop punk band definitely uh part of the scene that i was into around this time okay um and then the other evanescence song and then finger 11 as well 12 stones 12 stones was another one they were like they were like uh nickelback adjacent they were like of that same they were like the band that comes up and i know i'm probably getting this wrong i apologize for 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 uh new metal historians out there but i my experience with 12 stones was like that was a band that came up in the wake of like corn and nickelback and like those kinds of bands where it's like okay this is popular now let's go find that other band right um I've but this is a hell of a this is a hell of a soundtrack there was an ep as well a short one uh with just five tracks which with 12 stones finger 11 see they're the calling and fuel there was no evanescence on this ep i don't know how wow so of these songs yeah we can't do a josie and the pussy cats ranking because these songs just don't hold a candle to that soundtrack yeah three small words three small words obviously is number one better spin than any song on the daredevil soundtrack spin arounds number two right yeah and pretend to be nice three small words probably should have been playing during the electro training montage <laughs> some if you subscribe to our patreon yes i will edit <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um, no, this 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 song again. When we say, "Is there a more 2003 uh, movie than Daredevil?" Is there a more 2003 album than Daredevil? The album? I, I don't, don't think there is. I miss I miss movies having soundtracks, but not like this. No, <laughs> not like this. <laughs> uh, last thing: How do you feel about uh, Paul Ben Victor from The Wire plays a character named Casada? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, named, of course, uh, after Joe Casada. Um, Spiros. How do you feel about Daredevil just letting that dude die? Yeah, that was weird. Th- this, <laughs> they this, were trying again, to be kind of edgy, and there's a little more edginess in the director's cut. There's like pseudo-toplessness, 
there's some curse words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a girl Affleck? at a biker bar like starts no. to pull her shirt up, and we cut away. We don't actually get toplessness. But is this actually an R rate? Like, did they actually rate it R, or is it just like it's more intense? The director's cut is an R rated movie. They I actually think. rated it R. Okay. Ooh, good question. I don't have the the disc in front of me because it's upstairs, so I don't know. It's probably unrated. I'll go get it. I'll wait. No, no that's um, all right. The uh, yeah, the, the, well, that that's another thing we talked about, like you know, letting like staying with Jennifer Gardner. Oh, the, while the, other according guy to Amazon, I'm sorry to cut you off. MPA rating R. Okay, all yeah. right. so, which which is you know which is telling, you know what I mean, in terms of right. the, that they actually rated it. Right. Um. Yeah, there's lots of weird things. That's why again, the whole like Catholic guilt thing doesn't really play. <laughs> the whole idea, like at the end, where he's like, "I'm not the bad guy." You're like. You're paying off a theme you didn't really build to. You know? like, that's like you're, you you think I you know you I you know what you're doing. Like you know you didn't pay this off. Maybe somewhere in the edit you did, but yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, they kill uh they kill Spiros Spiros the Greek. Yeah, season two of The Wire underrated. Yeah, uh yeah, probably still maybe my least least favorite season, but still but the least but good a, season of The Wire. It's a season of The Wire. It's <laughs> better than most seasons of any show ever. That's uh, It's no F-Boy Island, I guess. But, I feel like you're really using that against me. I, really, I told uh, you, you that as a friend. As a friend, like in confidence, <laughs> like as now, you were like you were supporting me, making me feel Now good you're letting it define me. I'm totally, totally overblowing Patrick's love for this. <laughs> Coming to the Patreon, uh, episode reviews of... We're going to do commentary tracks for F-Boy Island. Uh, yeah, our Patreon is really going to suck, and everybody's <laughs> going to regret signing up for it. I've subscribed to worse. <laughs> uh, anything else about Daredevil we should say before my battery dies? I, we could go on for hours, but we, I, we really could. I feel really, like I mean, we almost yeah. didn't talk about the movie. We talked about 2003 <laughs> and like where everybody was at. We could do an entire other show on Daredevil, and one day we will. Yeah, I really had fun out. talking about it, even if yes. we didn't totally get into like the meat of the movie. But what are we? I mean, they fucking put a bullseye on Colin Farrell's head and played House of Pain when they introduce him, and he kills a lady with a peanut. Like that's where we were at. I hope there's a supercut somewhere of Colin Farrell doing the cape wipe. I just, he does it like four or five times in the movie where he will just inexplicably exit a scene by being like, I'm away. And his jacket will fly <laughs> over the back of his... He's like, the kingpin, it was my, like, my... if you want some good kingpin shit, watch the, the yeah. Netflix show. Yeah, sure. Because here it was like, we cast Michael Clark Duncan. Our work is done. Our work is He's huge and bald. What else do we have to do? And he's got that voice. Oh, I miss him so much. I, he's one of those guys where it's like Philip Seymour Hoffman where you're like, we could have got 20 more years out of that guy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's not maybe, you know, in terms of screen presence, I just think he's so powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah for sure. Anyway, no, we could talk more about Daredevil and Will on the Patreon, but we're good for now. All right. Uh, well, thank you guys very much for listening. Go to fthismovie.com every day for more bullshit like this. Yep. Go to the, uh, we're on Twitter at fthismovie. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube because Rob and Adam do reserved seating every week. Not we this do. week, but this uh, week. most weeks they're on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash F this movie. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, but it, you'll also find it at this movie.com. And of course, go to patreon.com slash F this movie to sign up. I'm going to try not to be obnoxious about pushing people towards that, but it exists now. I will be obnoxious about it, Patrick. I will be <laughs> your attack dog. Um, Patrick, wake me up inside. Call my name and save me from the dark. Bid my blood to run before I come undone. 
Save me from the nothing. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.